Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. season is all about peace. And uh, we've got a video coming up, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that, that expands the idea of peace, right? Because you hear about peace, you look over and over and over in the Old Testament when angels would show up, they'd say, peace, you know, peace, be still. Jesus gives us his peace, but what actually is peace? You know, what's important about peace? And it's not just calm feelings, you know, it's not just All right, I'm mellow in the midst of a chaotic world. There's more to it. Look at Luke 2, Luke 2, starting in verse 7. And this is, you know, the Christmas story, the night that he was born. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were afraid. Do you think? I mean, think about that, right? You're sitting out behind your house tonight looking at the stars, and all of a sudden, (laughs) hey, where'd that light come from? Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? And the angel said to them, fear not. I love that. You know? When there's direct encounters with heaven, don't be afraid. That's what he says. Turn me down just a little bit, man, it's ringing. Over and over and over when you would see angels show up, fear not, fear not. I think that's what God would say. If you were to stand directly in front of the Father right now in this moment, he'd say, don't be scared, you'll be all right. I love you. I just ruined the moment there, didn't I? And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Wow. You know, if you're a Hebrew, you've been waiting for this for a long time. And you knew what it meant. It meant the establishment of this new covenant that was coming and this new way to relate to God. This shall be a sign to you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, there there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So here's what I want to focus on. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. You know, this is not a declaration that now there's going to be peace among men. This is a declaration that this peace is from God toward mankind. And we dig a little bit deeper to see what that peace is. Go to Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20. This is talking about Jesus. Colossians is probably my favorite book, that and Hebrews, and maybe Ephesians. I don't know. It's all (laughs) wrapped up. But I love Colossians. It personally means something to me. And I love the the way it puts the preeminent focus on who Jesus is. And it puts him in the place of his rightful position as king, head of everything, totally victorious. And then it shows how he reaches to you and brings you into him to bring you into that same place. It's so powerful. That's your homework over Christmas. Go read Colossians and 
Try not to cry. It's amazing. Colossians 1.20. So the peace that we're talking about is a peace from God toward man. We know that, right? But we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in heaven or things in earth or things in heaven. But the first part there says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And see, we talk about this a lot. The blood is not about God needing a blood sacrifice, as if somebody needs to die for his anger. It's a representative human in the place of every human exchanging life for every human. And you can enter in through that life. The life is in the blood. If you've ever wondered what the sacrifice is all about, why? Why the cross? Why such a brutal experience? Why is there no remission of sin without the shedding of blood? It's because the life is in the blood. And there had to be a perfect human life give itself to ransom us. And you enter in through that life. And that is the peace that God extends toward us. When you look at this, it, what you understand is this is actually a peace offering from God. If you go in Leviticus, you read about the peace offering. And the peace offering was interesting. You know, most of the different offerings, you realize there were lots of different sacrifices, all kinds of different sacrificial laws. There were laws if you cheated someone and then you had to go sacrifice a couple of doves and you had to do weird things with the liver and guts and stuff like that, you know. There were laws, there were different kinds of sacrifices for all kinds of stuff. But the peace offering was different. The peace offering wasn't associated with sin or any type of transgression. The peace offering was this. Peace offering was very different than the rest. It was an offering not associated with atonement or dealing with sin in some way. It was an offering brought to the sanctuary out of the overflow of the worshiper's heart. So the big indicator we get out of that is the peace offering is an overflow out of the bringer's heart. See, you know, let the Holy Spirit kind of expand that for you of God bringing us a peace offering. Again, the peace offering is not to appease sin or atone sin. It is just an expression of the giver's heart. So it could be given at any time people wanted to celebrate the peace they enjoyed with God. Isn't that interesting? It's like it just at any time, you know, you just, you just have this offering and it's just, I just, I just want to express this peace. See, what I'm thankful for is we aren't under the old covenant. For us to express the peace, the joy that we have with God, you just raise your hands, right? Because you carry the presence of God. You didn't have to go down to the presence of God and express your thankfulness and your joy and your gratitude to him. I don't think we realize what it's like to live under this new covenant. We really don't have a clue what it was like to live under the law. I mean, can you think about that? It's like, I'm going to go talk to the guy who's going to talk to God for me. You know, we still do that. Don't do that to your preachers and teachers and pastors, you know. You don't need me. You have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, right? But we are a body, and we get to build each other up. The peace offering was the only sacrifice worshipers could eat. Let God teach you something about that one. I don't have any nugget on that. It's just interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was something you didn't partake of. It was, you just give that. But this, it's like you're, 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 you were part of it, you know. Basically, 
because the worshiper was thankful and wanted to acknowledge God outwardly, he would bring the peace offering. The peace offering was given usually for three circumstances, and I think in this case, God giving us the peace offering of Christ had all three of these. They were usually, these were the three reasons you'd bring one, for thanksgiving or upon payment of a vow. You know, God promised long ago that he would bring a deliverer that would put us in a position to establish this new covenant or as a free expression of the worshiper's goodwill. Think about that, right? It would bring the peace uh, peace offering as an expression of his goodwill, his good intention. God showed his goodwill toward you, toward all mankind in this peace offering of Jesus. You know, it's not Jesus was given to us and that set a standard that you as a believer have to live up to to be the right kind of Christian, right? Doesn't mean sin's okay. Doesn't mean you live a reckless life. You still yield to that righteousness that you've been given. But you have to reshape how you see God to understand. No, God, in his great love toward us, gave us a goodwill sacrifice, gave us an expression of his heart, and it was peace. He wanted to have peace with us. He didn't, you know, God didn't even desire the sacrifices. That was a temporary system. He was more interested in living with them. From the very beginning, God would come and walk with them in the garden. And then he led the, finally he got someone, Abraham, that would follow him to build his nation out of, to be a blessing to the entire world, to bring the Messiah through. And what did he do? He got closer and closer and closer. He wanted to dwell among them. That's what he told Moses. When you go get them out of Israel, go get them so that I can dwell among them. God wants to be with you. That's the declaration, Emmanuel, God with you. Just think about that. God is with me. You know, you don't have to go down. You don't have to drive to Atlanta and find a priest that represents God for you. He's in you. Think about that. The spirit of the living God is in me. And this goodwill expression was the announcement of this new covenant. And this new covenant was prophesied all throughout Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. Mostly those guys were the ones that talked about the details of what this new covenant would be. These are the things we talk about here all the time, and I will never stop talking about them. Jesus is God's peace offering to us because of what he knows is coming. The promise of this new covenant is what Jesus is. And these are the tenets of the new covenant, that he would no longer be angry with us or rebuke us. Now, this is Isaiah 53, 54, after the exchange of the suffering Messiah, God is talking to the Israelites, but we see in Galatians that if you are a believer in Christ, you're a true child of Abraham, so anything promised to the Israelites is for you. Amen? And he promised, I will no longer be angry with you or rebuke you. Isn't that amazing? Go back and read that again. So you got two homework assignments, Colossians. Isaiah 53 and 54. You know, you can skip the Christmas. Who reads the Christmas story before bed to your kids? Yeah, we used to do that. You can do that still. I'll give you permission. But add Isaiah 53 and 54 to it. So he would no longer be angry or rebuke us. He would no longer hold our sin against us. 
That is what the old covenant was all about. You can't pay for your sin. You must be holy. You can't be holy. Here's a temporary system to give you temporary holiness until the real thing comes to make you truly holy and righteous, which is what this is. That he would give a new heart that intuitively knew his instructions. You know, the biblical language would be that he writes his laws on our heart. But for us as new covenant believers, laws are instruction, not standards of righteousness. They weren't even for righteousness anyway. They were to reveal sin, which is instruction, go this way, go this way. But now you have this new heart. And that he would place his spirit within us. And I love this one, that he would be a husband to us. You know, God frames the kind of relationship that we have with him in the context of marriage. In that, it's a mystery. He joins himself to you. He pursues you. He joins himself to you. He sanctifies you or cleans you, makes, which leaves you in a state of holiness. Then he places his spirit within you because you're in right standing with him because of what he's done to you. That's the whole promise. You know, you have to look at your relationship with God. Is It's all about what he wanted. And he wanted to show peace toward me. He didn't want this legalistic context of a relationship with me. John 14, 27, and then we're going to jump into the video after this. John 14, 27, this is Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, we don't talk about those in the commandments of Christ, right? We talk about we got to love God with our heart strength, so we got to love one another. Well, you know what? God, Jesus commands you, do not be afraid. How many, how many of you ever are afraid? You lawbreakers, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Think about it. Do not be afraid. You have the responsibility to have hope. And, and he gives you everything that you need to walk in that peace and that joy and to have hope in every situation. Amen? So we love the Bible Project. The Bible Project has done a great job of encapsulating the Hebrew concept of shalom, which is peace. And it's more than just a tranquil state of mind. It's more than just calm feelings. Let's watch this. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. 
The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Wow. Or it's you. He took what's broken and made a whole. Not, not just the relationship, but you personally. Yeah. He made you whole. I love it. There's a quote. <clears throat> he is the whole, complete human that he made you to be, but you failed to be, and now he gives you his life. Isn't that awesome? John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So there he says, I give you my peace. My peace I give to you. My wholeness I give to you. Let this kind of just be a meditative exercise for a moment, right? If we're going to expand on what peace is, what is peace? Jesus says, I give you my peace. I give you my wholeness. How whole do you think Jesus is? How can you take that and assimilate that as being true for you, which it is if you've said yes to Jesus, and let that persuade your heart of who you are in him and then live out of that? rather than living out of what the world says to you or what you, where you have failed. My wholeness I give to you. My completeness 
I give to you. That's Colossians again. We are complete in him. My well-being I give to you. That's a big one. Like Courtney preached last week, this, there's Zoe life, and this Zoe has to do with the quality of life of the life being described. It's not just life. It's the quality of that life. <clears throat> and God gives us his life. He who has the son has the life. And that's well-being. You know, we get really weird because we make the supernatural, like, charismatic, churchy stuff. It's like, no, we're just talking about God's heart toward you. God wants you well and whole and experiencing the completeness that Christ has. Amen? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. This is, this is your mandate going into 2018. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. See, we pray with a little bit of worry. We pray with a little bit of, God, this is what you need to do. See, if you do this, then this will work out over here for me. You know, as if you need to tell him what he's supposed to do. No, pray with thanksgiving. And I don't mean thanksgiving that he gave you the sickness or the job loss or any of that junk. Thanksgiving that he gave you his completeness. Amen? Amen? Thanksgiving that he gave you peace, that he made peace with you. Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I love in Matthew, Jesus says, God already knows what you need. But ask. Right? There's this relationship. Verse 7, this is where we're going. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace, the wholeness of God, the completeness of God, the well-being of God. Think about, I mean, I see this inner man inside myself that has been recreated in the image of Christ in true holiness and righteousness, and it's like this fortress of peace that God has placed around it, and that's who I really am. That's who I really am, and to the degree that I forget that who I am in there, I live crazy out here. But if I look back, if I can put myself back in that seat where Christ is seated within me and I am in him and realize there is a fortress of the wholeness and completeness of God around me. Inside, I am done. I am complete. I am perfect. I am holy. I am everything that Jesus has given me. And I will let that peace guard my heart because out of the heart flows every aspect of life. As you think in your heart, so are you. Jesus, the parable of the sower, the condition of your heart determines the degree of the kingdom that you'll experience in this life. It's a hard one. That's a hard one. But when you really get that, when you really understand what he's done for you, you realize, you know what? This is, this is my mission to guard and protect this heart. And he's built a fortress of peace, and it is complete and whole around who I really am. And I'm going to sit in that place and rest in him and live from that. 
I've got a decision to make. My kids are going nuts. My parents are this. My job is this. The president is this, whatever. You're in that place of peace, and you live from that. You can go ahead and grab the kids. They're going to do some songs for us. <clears throat> I've got this just kind of closing statement, and I want to end it on this. Remember, God chose to make peace with you. His initial peace offering stands. If you will rest in his good will toward you, the wholeness and completeness that Christ has given you will guard your inner man from which every aspect of life flows. Be mindful of God's extension of peace toward you through Christ and allow him to protect your mind and your heart so you will be pure of heart and follow him with your whole being. Amen? Let's think about that. Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we thank you so much for this plan of salvation. It's a complete plan of salvation, and it is finished. And we enter into that through Christ. I am in a place of holiness and righteousness because you have brought me near through Christ. And I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I give you permission to speak to my mind, to speak to my heart, to remind me of what you've done through Christ so that I live in this wholeness of relationship that you've given me. There's no broken fractures in the relationship that I have with you, Father. Christ has made everything whole and complete. I want to live in that. I, I want my every motive and intention to be persuaded by that. I want nothing but your will to be accomplished in my life. And as I rest in you, as I remember and I'm mindful of that peace, you will teach my heart and I will naturally follow you all to your glory. God, we just want you, be, we just want you glorified. Amen. We just want the world to experience your presence through your children. We give you our hearts and our minds. You know, if you've never said yes to Jesus, just in this moment, just say yes to him. I receive you, Lord. Thank you for washing me and making me clean. Thank you for going to that cross for me, dying for me, rising again and giving me your wholeness, giving me peace. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas.